Hi, and welcome to another episode of At Your Cervix. I'm your host, Danae. And I'm your host, Vanessa. And as always, Lindsay is here, aka The Shaft. After a long day of loving on people and listening Mm. to people. How are you doing, Mm. Lindsay? I'm okay. I'm here. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, I'm here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes you know what? That's the best you can do. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I am present and physically. <laughs> yes. No. I mean, honestly, I think we can all agree that it's a little bit overloading, just life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we hope that we bring some joy, joy. Mm-hmm. That's a text message, by the way. I forgot to silence my phone. <laughs> a lot going on. I know. It's like this. We really try to curate content that's like realistic and like in real life, and then also some pick me ups and mm-hmm. also some good information for you. So we hope that you're tuning into some of our episodes and even our past episodes just to kind of take a break from a lot of the media news, whatnot. Mm-hmm. How you doing, Danae? How's the sexcation? Or- <laughs> <laughs> um, what are people calling sex in quarantine? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Definitely not a vacation. Um, good. I mean, I am good. I feel like everyone else work is crazy. And I don't think work is necessarily crazy. It's the video I'm getting like sick and like it's ironic because right now you guys can't see us but we're all on a zoom call and I don't use zoom I use a different program for work but I mean so many zoom calls and at least when you're like in an office you like get up and go to the bathroom say Mm -hmm. hi to someone go get a coffee I'm gonna sneeze Because Zoom tight. Thank you. Because Zoom tight. Um, And so I think that's getting a little tedious. And then on top of just, yeah, really trying to not, I have not watched TV news in like years because we don't have TV. We just have subscription um, like to Hulu and Netflix. And I just usually read news on my phone, like on websites or video clips. And something I noticed the other day is I turn on the news for the first time, like live news on a TV on Sunday night. And I watch the TV for like, I just like watch seven hours of news <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, or like six hours. And I just was like, I, it's interesting. I don't know why it's maybe more like digestible in bite size when I'm just like looking, reading an article on my phone or then like reading something, an update, but I don't know. It's interesting. And not just that it has to do with news. I would be interested too. like, do you guys watch most of your media on streaming services or like on old fashioned TV? You know what I mean? Like cable and stuff. Like, I feel like that's a thing that's slowly going out. I think most people just do streaming, right? Yeah. What's crazy is like, I don't have a TV or anything. I literally just have this tiny laptop. And so I'm like, right. Crazy. Like work all day. My social life and TV is all on there. And in screen, you know, (laughs) like how crazy, you know? know. Yeah. So yeah. Streaming. Yes. I think, I don't know. So that's interesting too. And it's so, that's another interesting point, Lindsay, because we were just talking about this before we started recording like internet and how like we're so reliant on it. Like when internet goes down, you literally go from being in a good mood to a bad mood. <laughs> like it affects everything, your job, it affects your mood, oh my it affects your... I, 
am so like angry now about the internet. Like it's kind of crazy. Like, yes. <laughs> it's because, yes. you know, I'll be in the middle of a session and then they were like, Oh, you're frozen, you know? And, and then I have to like, it won't work. And then I have to exit out and then start yes. it again. And uh, it's, it's really, it sounds so trivial to be like, it's so stressful. It really, like, really is like, it really right, impacts right. like your work, everything. So and you have a lot of clientele that are not adults. And so they rely on an adult to then hook the systems back I up. I wish people could <laughs> overhear the conversations like, oh, wait, I don't like trying to explain buttons and like, you know, oh no, don't go get your mom. I can, you know, I'm like all this in the IT right, person, right. you know, and then like, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it is. But you know doing our best right <laughs> for sure but without a fail it's whenever I have my personal therapy where you only have 50 minutes right you're paying a lot <laughs> right where the internet goes out <laughs> every single week I'm not kidding and we spend like seven minutes fixing it I'm like I'm paying like precious money for <laughs> every minute I know you know man that's hard yeah I feel totally. like the dependency we have is pretty severe. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially right now where we, you know, literally have to be on it. It's like not even an option, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think it's kind of going to be the future, you know? I mean, yes. work, work from home when COVID maybe is not like it is now, it's going to be still something people are doing more and totally. Man, I think, I think video fatigue is going to be a real real thing that comes up a lot for people because that mm -hmm. might be the new way that people are communicating totally but i also think um, like you danae and joel had been thinking about where you could work from remotely you know yes like, totally awesome. yes absolutely and it's really caused us to think about yeah just that like um my boss at work is even deciding if our teams can be fully remote from now on so I know a lot of companies are kind of um, headed that direction. Um, but speaking of work, Vanessa, how <laughs> do you feel about going back to work? Yeah, that's you, know, a thing. It's funny you say that. I think a lot of companies are going to shift to more, you know, like whatever telecommuting. Yeah. <laughs> Remote. Yeah. That's not really very possible <laughs> when you do like physical assessments on people and then you also. <laughs> help them keep their, keep them safe, help keep them safe while their babies come into the world, you know, right. that's something you actually can't do remotely, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about it. I think more so because yeah, I'm really enjoying just being with the kids and um, not having the stress of work. I think that's probably the biggest thing is not mm -hmm. um, trying to keep updated on every policy change and change the way we see people and all the PPE that has to be put on. Our workload doesn't change because now we have to wear more gear to take care right. of people. So I think that that's actually going to be stressful. And then you want to give good answers to people. You want to appease their worries, but the information for even providers changes every single day, if not every week, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think that that stress for me, I only work one to two days a week. So to think of all the upkeep outside of work that I'm going to need to do to stay current, I think that's actually pretty stressful for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, you know, with everything we do adapt, <laughs> Yes, I'll have to figure out the way. Um, yeah. And, you know, I also have older people living in my home. Um, and that makes me nervous just being in an environment with greater exposure. And then honestly, Rob and I were just talking about how 
I mean, are we going to be socially ostracized because I work in a hospital? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm honest, I probably wouldn't want to see somebody that's in a higher risk field. Although mm-hmm. I apparently dental hygiene's the highest, which <laughs> how many hygienists do we all know and live with? Right. Or live around. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I mean, it kind of makes sense. You're like in people's mouths and things. Um, For sure. I think what's most taxing about it is we don't really know what it's going to look like in the fall and the winter. So, you know, that like preparing for a storm when you're not sure what elements you're going to need. I think that that's kind of where I'm at. It's just mm-hmm. like, how do, we, how do we prepare and stay smart um, when all the information continually seems to shift, which I think in this episode, we're about ready to jump into. That's yes. more, so evident, right? Because totally. um, she had to really, Tina, our guest coming on, she had to really adapt a lot. And it's going to mm-hmm. be, I'm really excited for our listeners to hear her story because um, she's on the other side of it. And I think probably a lot of her fears um, weren't actualized um, in terms of illness and things like that. But just even the scramble of the medical system has been, you know, crazy. And she was in the like in the throes of it in the early stages of COVID. Yes. Um, yeah. So totally. if you're just tuning into AYC for the first time, or <laughs> if you're a faithful listener, we just want to mm-hmm. say thank you. Thanks for spending some of that digital time with us. We know yes. that you have a lot of options. There's a lot of noise out there. And our goal is really just to, um, yeah, just give you content that kind of isn't as super, super heavy, but also is realistic and kind of in line with what's happening in our times right now. So um, we're going to jump into a delivery diary with Tina, a great friend of Danae's, and um, hopefully you guys enjoy this and I'm sure you're going to have lots of questions about it. She also will be featured on some news stations and we'll try to link that all for you to so you can catch more of her story. So we are so excited to have my friend Tina on this episode of AYC. Hi, Tina. Hi, <laughs> How are buddy. you? I'm great. <laughs> we, are, we are still Zoom recording <laughs> for anyone yeah. that wants to know. We are still staying um, separated and listening to the law of the land <laughs> with all the COVID stuff. Um, but we're so grateful that you're on tonight. And it's it's a the theme, I guess, of this episode would be a delivery story, but it's a pretty wild <laughs> delivery story and very, um, I think, really important for um, just what's going on with COVID. And I have not um, heard a story quite like it. And I, um, before we get into that, though, I do, Tina, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because as you know, the podcast is a women's health podcast and you are a healthcare provider. So would you tell us a little bit about your background and education and all of that? Yeah. Um, yes. So I am a physician assistant. I graduated in, um, 2010, uh, from a little private school in Arizona called Midwestern university. Um, I'm a Northwest native, so I wanted to come back here and I started practicing in 2010 and I've always worked in, um, surgical fields. So I, uh, started my career in general surgery, which is kind of everything in the belly. Then I did orthopedic surgery for a while. Um, took a break to travel with my husband for a year. Yeah. Overseas. Yep. It was amazing. And you then, went to Burning. 
You went to Burning <laughs> yes. Man. Yeah, you've been you to Burning went Man to three times. Thailand. Yeah, you did a lot of cool stuff. Wow. <laughs> yes, yes, we did a lot of cool stuff. That was an amazing chapter in our lives. And then I, um, we both came back to Seattle, and um, I started working in general surgery again. And now I work in a thoracic surgery, which is uh, the chest. So it's, um, I love it. It's an amazing career and it's been very rewarding and, um, I can't say enough good things about it. So. So are you in the OR all day or? Yeah, mostly. I do mostly inpatient in my current, uh, job, but I love the OR. I mean, I would do that 24 hour. I mean, it's like 24 seven. I love it. So. I actually love the OR as well as a midwife. That's kind of uncommon. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we assist in C-sections, but I just, I find it also fascinating. And if you're kind of, you like to geek out on an anatomy, it's just pretty cool to see the body. Yes, I could not agree more. I did kind of want to shift to this little baby that you're holding. And I mean, tell us, I don't even know what to say. (laughs) Tell us about her delivery and how super super unique this time around during COVID. It, um, so I delivered at uh, Swedish first Hill, which I love. It's where I had Lucy and I, they call it like the baby mill. I just feel comfortable (laughs) having like, you know, all of the specialists right there in case there were anything to happen. Cause it seems like that usually happens to the healthcare provider, like the weird things. So, um, so I, you know, was delivering there again and, um, they had just started doing um, COVID testing for any planned admissions. And um, Emmy, this is my second baby's named Emmy. Uh, her, I had a planned C-section because uh, Lucy was breached. And so she was also a C-section. And I just, it didn't really, a VBAC kind of didn't sound right for me. Vaginal birth after cesarean. So I um, opted to uh, do a C-section again mm. with Emmy. So that was planned for May 4th at 7 a.m. First case <laughs> of the day. Um, so I was COVID tested on Sunday, May 3rd at eight o'clock in the morning. It was like standard protocol. They literally, I drove through mm-hmm. um, the roundabout at the Lytle Center and they like stick the swab in and <sighs> this wonderful nurse named Emma um, was in charge of the whole testing program. And so she was like, oh, well, you know, I'll call you no matter what. Um, and you know, you'll hear from me later today. And I was like, great. I had actually been on uh, maternity leave early for some uh, pr- kind of pregnancy complications. So I'd been on leave since March 23rd and I hadn't been physically at my job since March 10th because I actually got mildly sick and, um, and I just, and all the COVID stuff started happening and I was like, I need to stay home. And so I was doing some work from home and then mm-hmm. I just started my maternity leave early on the 23rd. And so I, so I did what I was, when you went in to get tested, were you thinking like when you did your drive roundabout situation, uh-huh. were you like, I'm, this is just for protocol sake? Totally. Absolutely. I was like, this is, you know, there's no way, even if, you know, my illness that I had so long ago, yeah. COVID, there's no way that I still have it. I hadn't had, you know, I, other than just feeling pre- pregnant in the third trimester, I hadn't had any, you know, symptoms of illness in five weeks. And so I get a call at five o'clock on Sunday from Emma, the wonderful nurse that my COVID test was positive. And I was walking in the Arboretum. We live uh, close to the Arboretum. I was walking in the Arboretum and I, my phone rang. Well, actually 
she left me a voicemail first and she was like, can you call me? And I was like, oh, that's bad. I know this is bad. <laughs> oh, no. And so I call <laughs> her and she tells me and I'm like, I'm out in public, like without a mask and I have COVID. Like, are you yeah. kidding me? This yeah. is oh terrible. My and so I grabbed like my sweater and just like put it over my <laughs> yeah. face and started like hysterically crying and oh. trying to like waddle back to my house <laughs> as fast as I could. Oh, um, was Ryan just, with you? Yeah, Ryan and Lucy were with me. Oh. Um, were you like stand away like, from me? <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, what do I do? And she was like, okay, you know, I've been on the phone with like everyone. Cause I think maybe that same day, but I think from what she told me, I was like the first one that was positive. They had just started testing pregnant women and, you know, and then I was asymptomatic and positive. So it's like, what do we do? You know, is right. she is she shedding old virus or is, am I about to get really ill in two days? Yeah. You know? Right. Right. So that was like the really concerning part. And, um, you know, and then my OB called me, she called me from QFC. She was like doing her grocery shopping. She was about to start on her 24 hour call shift. And she was like, you know, we're, we can, we're going to do this. And, um, like, and so they, so the first thing they had to do was test my whole family other than Lucy, mm -hmm. they didn't test Lucy, but because the question was going to be, if I was to get really ill, who was going to take care of Emmy? You know, do we have a contact that's negative and what are we going to do with the baby? And it was just like, you know, this whole, like, mm -hmm. <sighs> terrible. And I knew that, like, I knew immediately what it meant is that Ryan wasn't going to be there for the delivery, no matter what. You know, they were just never going to let him, like, they, they don't have enough PPE for the hospital workers. They're not going to, like, you know, an exposure. And so anyway, the next, they moved my C-section to 4 PM. So everyone can I like, enter plan. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Can I interject yeah, one thing too, just so people know, and correct me if I'm wrong, your, does your mother-in-law and your sister-in-law live with you still or no? They don't live with us, but they, they don't. Are, okay. They help They're with um, childcare. They're here. Yeah. They're here like all day pretty much. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was just thinking like, I, cause I knew so when they were living them. with you. They did. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yep. and they're so negative they, too. Yeah. And everyone was negative, but me, <laughs> and it was like this weird, like, do we hope everybody's positive? I mean, like what yeah. do we, you know, <laughs> right. we just have like a little COVID colony here? I don't know. Right. Um, so yeah. So everybody tested negative. They moved my C-section to 4 PM and, um, you know, it was like, I, and I didn't know, we didn't know what everybody else's results were until like one o'clock on Monday oh. and I had to check in at two. Right. Um, I like cried the entire night. I didn't sleep. Oh. A week. I just felt so sad about Ryan not being there. And like, yeah, you know, he's pretty tough and like, you know, he's like, well, it's just, it is what it is. And we just move forward. And then there was all this question of like, who's positive, who's not like, who's going to take care of Lucy. Cause we automatically thought we had, you know, that taken care of. And then it was like, well, if some people have it and some people don't, what do we do? And oh, it was, you're calling the Bowers. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. No, you'd what actually really call, you'd really call our friend Ellie Senda, our mutual friend, because oh, she yeah. is a nanny and loves Lucy. So, <laughs> then, like, you, you know, I'm assuming our house is just like, now we're the COVID house. Like, right. Right. So you can't like invite people in to help you, even though people want to help you. It's like, well, right. Right. 
like, do you want to come get COVID? Thanks. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know. Oh man. I can't imagine. So wild. The so Ryan was just was like, what, did he cry or was he just like pretty tough? He didn't. He was like, he, he said he just felt so sad for me. Like, yeah. Cause yeah. he wanted to be there for me. And, um, right. and he, we're just both like, so thankful. I had, I have like an amazing OB, Elena Hammond. Um, and she's like the kind of doctor that I, I like describe her as like, she'll like get in the corner and fight dirty for you. Like mm-hmm. she's so amazing. And he was like, I'm just so glad that you have Dr. Hannon and she's going to be there with you. And she was on call like the whole 24 hours after. Cause I was like, I'm not moving my date. Yeah. Um, you know, I need her with me because she's the only one that I like know and can trust. I don't have a family member there. Right. Um, Did they give you the option of having any family member or no? Like I know Ryan couldn't, but, or even like if, okay, wow. (laughs) Because they can't, they don't let like visitors into COVID rooms. Yeah. So it's Uh like, they're changing some of those policies now, like some Mm -hmm. places, but when I, they had, they were literally like writing the protocol. They were like, what are we doing with this poor woman? (laughs) And you were like in the height of it. Cause it was like March. So it was like you know, crazy March. I feel like March was crazy. So yeah. So you had a separate, even you said that there was even a, if I remember, there's a separate even area in the OB that was for. Yeah. They had like a separate, separate. I was in the OB COVID wing. And I think there was one other woman that was in a similar situation to me that they were also caring for. Um, but it was like full COVID protocol, like all the PPE, everything, nothing went out of that room. Um, they basically just like slapped together a room <laughs> and like there were no supplies. Um, you know, I had such a good experience. Like I have had one baby at Swedish, so I know like what's normal, like, Oh, the postpartum rooms have this. And, um, you know, they actually had me, I like always talk about this bed. Cause this is like what really I was, <laughs> I had a, um, postpart or a, I had a delivery bed in there as my bed. So, so you can imagine after a C-section having a bed that you can't raise your leg. And the nurse was like, yeah, I think oh, this geez. is a normal bed. And I was like, this is not a normal yeah. bed. <laughs> I was like always waiting this line of like, okay, I am, I have to be my own advocate because I don't right. have anyone here with me, Yeah, but I also am not going to be hysterical. <laughs> I understand everyone's trying their best. At one point I was like, I need eight pillows. I need eight. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, I was like, I cannot be in this weird position with like my legs just like sloping down the bed. Yeah. Right. Right. The bed like oh. didn't go up and down. It was just, oh yeah. Oh my so, gosh. So Ryan dropped me off. Like Ryan and Lucy dropped me off on the curb outside <laughs> of the Lytle Center at Swedish with like two nurses in full, you know, PPE like Aww. welcome to your delivery day it was <laughs> right oh my gosh it was um I and then like Lucy started screaming you know we hadn't been in the car in two months and all of a sudden she's like leaving her mom on the curb yeah. it was, that part was like really pretty traumatic oh my gosh that is that makes me want to cry yeah, yeah. I'm still unpacking Just... that one with my therapist <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. that's good right yeah. oh yeah. Um, so, what were the attitude, like the nurses that met you? I know you said everyone was super helpful. Did you feel like everyone was pretty sensitive and oh my kind? Gosh. I think I, I felt like people felt really badly for me. Like they just oh. felt like, 
you know, no one quite knew what to make of the positive test, like false positives on PCR are like pretty much non-existent, like false negatives are common, but not Mm -hmm. false positives. And so like, they weren't going to assume that. And then, you know, all of a sudden it's just like my whole world, like shifted upside down in a matter of like, you know, 24 hours before delivery, but they made the best accommodations they could. And, um, Ryan was able to watch on FaceTime. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> so they, wow. I didn't think that that was even going to be possible, but then. Right. Who's holding the FaceTime device up? <laughs> so my phone was double bagged in two biohazard bags. Oh my word. <laughs> like I had to put it in one. And then when we walked out of the room, we put it in another one. Um, and they like walked me to the OR, but the pictures. So, so Ryan was at home sitting on, sitting at our dining room table and his mom and his sister came over cause they were all negative. Like everybody was negative. So we could like get back together. They could get back mm-hmm. together. Um, and he somehow, I still don't even know how he did this, but he had like his phone, the iPad and his like computer. And he like recorded the whole thing and then wow. was taking the pictures on FaceTime. And those are like oh, the wow. pictures we have of her delivery. And they're like this, like mystic fogginess through two biohazard. <laughs> that's crazy. You just have to tell her the, that's the filter that you use when she was born. <laughs> yeah, tell her that filters were really popular in 2020. Yeah, yeah, that whole fog look was really good. The <laughs> COVID filter. And oh Ryan my gosh. Kept, like muting his FaceTime because Lucy just kept talking about her Play-Doh. Like she's sitting there doing Play-Doh at the dining room table. It was, it was all very weird. It was just, oh my goodness. Really weird. So outside of the COVID craziness, which is like the main part of the story or kind of like supersedes everything else. How was your delivery? How was the C-section and was that, did that go smoothly and yes, all of that. It, It was like, it went really well. And it had to, right? I mean, I was like, I need this. And um, my, uh, we joked that it was like, you know, like a red tent delivery because it was all women. Um, all the whole OR staff, my doctor, the anesthesiologist were all females. And um, it was very like protocol and planned out because of the COVID. So they had mm-hmm. like, you know, everybody's standing there and they're like N95s and shields, like, fully, you know, sterile before I even rolled into the room. Um, so, and I feel the most comfortable in the operating room. I know that would not be the case for most women going into a delivery, but that's like, to me, it's like another day at the office with people I trust. Mm -hmm. You know, my medical side knows that if anything goes really wrong, like that's the place you want to be, you know, the, Mm -hmm. all of the tubes and lines and everything you need are in, are in there. So, right. um, it actually, to me, is much more a place of comfort. <laughs> right. That. Yeah. That is an, that's an interesting observation. Like you're like, yeah. I feel more comfortable in here than I do, you know, maybe in just a regular delivery room. So yeah, I really, I really did. And, and having been through it once before, and actually I have assisted on a lot of C-sections. So it's like, I know step-by-step step what is happening and mm-hmm. the, actually the operating room light <laughs> was positioned. So I watched the whole thing in the reflection. So I can, oh, wow. which is like, you know, it just makes most people want to like run <laughs> screaming, but, uh, but I was able to watch and I was really glad I was because 
no one else was there to watch her be born, you know? Yeah. So, um, so that was important that, you know, I was able to see that. Yeah. That's really sweet. Did you have any, you're going to be like, no, no. Did you have any like nurse in it? It was just for you or were you just like, you know what I mean? Like a doula type position Sadly, no, or anything. No, okay. It's like, had I known I wasn't going to have my husband, I certainly would have like, I have friends that are doulas. I mean, I would have loved right, to right. have a little company, but I don't right, think they would have right. even no. let him in a COVID OR. Probably sadly. not. Yeah. Um, probably not. So all of that would have just gone right out the yep, <laughs> right for out sure. The way. Uh, and then I, I always said like my, my only birth plan is like get the baby out safely and like don't let me die. <laughs> right. Those, those two things happened. And so I'm, yeah, you know, we, we made it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what did they do as far as were you able to do skin to skin and all of that kind of stuff no. because of your COVID? No. So what did they do after? Like what was the separation like? So that that's kind of like this whole gray area that a lot of places are working on recommendations and protocols and like the American uh, College of Gynecologists and like the, oh, what is it? The Royal College. Like nobody agrees, the CDC. I mean, it's like all across the board what people are recommending in, you know, COVID positive moms. Mm -hmm. And also I think, you know, asymptomatic COVID positive is a very different category also. And um, so my doctor and um, the hospital said, you know, it's your option if you want to separate. Um, and my doctor specifically said, I don't recommend that because you're asymptomatic. Um, and I also don't think that there's strong enough evidence to recommend it anyway. So I was like, no way. I mean, I do not feel comfortable separating from her knowing that like, we don't have a family member there to take her. Like, I'm not just going to sit in this room by myself and like let Mm -hmm. a stranger and I'm like, I feel hundred percent healthy and just like, let someone have her right. like no way. And I was like, I don't even want her six feet away. That was another thing they talked about. And I was like, no, I just had a C-section. I can't get out of bed. Like my baby's crying. It takes 30 minutes for them to get in the room. If I need mm-hmm. anything, like there's no way I'm going to let her be six feet away crying. Right. Like I, I can't mentally, I can't wrap my head around that. And it would right. be different if I was like, really ill, you know, then I would have said like, okay, mm-hmm. that, I think that is the best for the infant. But I, I just didn't, you know, I didn't feel like there was good enough evidence to support that. So I stayed with her and I couldn't mm-hmm. do skin to skin. Cause they're just, it's hard to do that in the operating room, but it's especially hard to do that when you don't have someone there to help you with it. And you're like, right. Oh, her table. <laughs> So <laughs> right. I, um, the thing that was very different about this one is typically in a C-section, at least what I've experienced, the NICU team like waits in the corner of the room and, you know, they do the weight on the baby and the APGAR scores. Um, but since the NICU team couldn't come in the room, they like immediately took her out of the room, which was like, oh, okay. I knew that was going to happen, but that was it's like startling. I, it was probably like the longest five minutes of my life. Like I hadn't really even seen her. And they just like whisked her out of the room. And I was like, when is she coming back? Like, I'm like dying slowly inside. This is so difficult. And I was mm-hmm. like trying not to be hysterical about it. But I kept being like, when, when's she coming back? When's she coming back? And, and then when she did come back, you know, she was in the little, they were like yelling out the app bar scores, like opening the door and like telling <laughs> us. And, um, 
you know, because I didn't even know, like, I couldn't hear her crying. She's outside the room. I'm like, right. away. and they're like, well, we're not doing any of that. Like, they didn't even like weigh her or measure or anything because like they didn't, I don't know if it's like they didn't have the stuff or they were like worried <laughs> right. that she was like contaminated. Contaminated. Yeah. Um, so, so finally they like wheel her back in in the little plastic bassinet and she's just like, you know, like over here and I can't reach her. She's like starting mm-hmm. to cry and I'm like sticking my hand and like, I can get it like partially in the, in the <laughs> bassinet. Right, right. And so Ryan, Ryan actually stayed with her on my phone. <laughs> so they like took him out of the room with her, which typically the dad would go out of the room with, you know, like he would have done that. Right. He would have like gone back there with her. But um, that's like when it was like, it was awful to have her in the bassinet and not have anyone to pick her up. And she was crying. And I was just like, getting like beside myself you know like here I am I can't do anything and so the anesthesiologist actually picked her up and put her cheek to cheek with me um which was like (laughs) it makes me want to (laughs) cry oh it was like I wish there was a picture of that right yeah and I I was was just bawling and like the tears were like streaming down my face like right onto her but there was like nothing that anyone could do and it was just like such a moment of I feel like um like empathy and just you know she's a mother too that this anesthesiologist and just like was like I have to do something for this woman and Mm -hmm. you know she can't reach her baby and she's here alone and like (laughs) and so that was really amazing and touching and yeah man you're tough Tina that's like wild (laughs) that's Uh. wild (laughs) just to comfort you you know like just the (sighs) overwhelming experience it is and then you don't know if your baby's okay and oh right yeah and then it was like they didn't have a um usually like you can hold the baby like in the bed with you as you're like wheeling to like the recovery and but there's like no recovery they just like I had to go back to my crappy room (laughs) (laughs) right your weird bed (laughs) my weird bed and which I couldn't even get into and they, they kept being like, oh, the baby has to like go separately. And like, and finally the anesthesiologist was like, no, I'm just going to give her her baby. All right, guys, like I'm doing that. Right. And I'm just like holding on to her like, nobody take her, you know? Oh, <laughs> um, oh my yeah, gosh. So, so we wheeled back to the room together. <laughs> right. Oh. And like my gurney, like the gurney from like coming out of the operating room had to like stay in my room because there weren't taking anything out of the COVID room. Oh my like, gosh. At one point, the nurse, like, in the middle of the night was like, I am going to fix your room. This is, like, unacceptable. And she's, like, playing Tetris with, like, all the, like, bed and, like, the weighing machine and, like, the incubator and all these things that were in my room that, like, normally wouldn't need to be there. But they, like, no one was going to come get it. No one was going to come get my food trays. Like, no one's oh coming in there. Your food trays are just stacking up. Yeah, it was, it was a total mess. It was, yeah. Oh so my goodness. A full day early because I just yeah. could not get out of there fast enough. I, I was just about to say, and didn't you like peace out? You like, yeah. had the minute, the minute her Billy Rubin <laughs> test came back, like I literally, you guys, I had packed my, like I packed my suitcase. Like I started to get like really sore at that point because the Duramore from the spinal was wearing off. And I was like, okay, I think I need some medicine. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my goodness. That is wild. And did they just let you because, I mean, obviously the circumstance and she was good to go and. Yes. So fortunately oh. everything oh, testing. was right with her. Yeah. Did they right test her? No, they didn't test okay. her. Um, that was like never even a consideration. It was, I don't know. It was the information was very difficult once I got in the hospital because there's not protocols. There's not like no one knew what to do with me. And every person that came in my room gave me like a different recommendation. And that was so hard. You know, I had to just sort of glean through what I felt like was right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, um, like infectious disease this is going to kill you guys. They, I, I was like begging to see them. Cause I was like, I need an infectious disease doctor to be like, this is what we know, you know? And right. They just were like, they don't know what to tell you. And they have sicker people to deal with. They literally told me that. And I was like, what? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I was livid. Uh, you were like, just a quick recommendation. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Like they probably did have like people dying in the ICU. I, that's what I right. to believe. But fortunately, the charge nurse came in and talked me off a cliff and was like, she's like, right, like, we don't know what to tell you. You know, you ask the COVID team, they're going to tell you to sit in your basement for 14 days and not talk to anyone. And like, that's probably not reasonable. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that is crazy. I don't know if now I wanted to, I do want to ask you like everything after all this happened, but I do kind of want to reverse a little bit, rewind, because I want to hear about this when you felt sick in March, but you had stopped going to work. What did it, was that the COVID (laughs) or was that you had a cold? Well, you don't really know, do you? Right. (laughs) Um, I'm like, I think that it was, and this is why I think it was, I, I had just like a mild illness, um, just kind of like body aches, feeling like sinus stuff. And then I developed a low grade fever and I called my employee health. Cause this is like when all the things were going, you know, everything was starting to erupt. And you know, the woman on the other end of the phone is like reading through her checklist and she's like, well, like you don't have enough of the symptoms to like get tested and, you know, come back to work with a mask. And I was like, I am 33 weeks pregnant, febrile, like mildly febrile. I was like, I'm not coming to work tomorrow. Like, I don't even feel safe being there. Like, you know, there wasn't enough PPE. It was just like, so, um, you know, obviously it wasn't there. And she was like, I know this is just what my checklist says. You know? <laughs> oh my God. So I was able to organize, you know, some work from home, um, because I just didn't feel safe, like going back. And then I was never very ill, but I had lingering, um, like gastrointestinal symptoms, which was really weird. Ooh. For probably three weeks. And then I realized that I completely lost my sense of taste and smell. Um, That's the thing. I said, I read the taste thing. It's like a big one. I couldn't even smell Lucy's diapers. Like Ryan made me take the diaper pail out (laughs) and that whole stretch because I couldn't, I literally couldn't smell them. Nothing. It was really bizarre. Um, Whoa. But but I had been, because I was like looking at the calendar because at that time, actually, because I got sick, we canceled our nanny share. I had Ryan's mom and sister go home and stay away from us. Like I was just, mm-hmm. I got like really worried because you know what I was worried about? I was worried about me getting COVID and testing positive and having to, to deliver alone. Right. Exactly <laughs> what happened. Ironically. Right. Right. Oh, right. And I wow. think, no, one thing I wanted to comment on is I thought you did a really good job. The irony now 
right? Is that life <laughs> happens. But you did a really good job. Like, I feel like you had said on Facebook a couple of times and just like in friend groups, like, hey, we're probably not going to have a ton of people like yeah. come over, you know, during <laughs> all of this and stuff like that. And then, I mean, I just can't imagine your emotional roller coaster when she called you and she was like, guess what? Because you've done all these precautions, like you didn't go back to work. You didn't see anyone. You told, you know, other people to stay away, you know, like all that. And then like the irony of (laughs) guess what? I just, it was like, I was trying to like protect myself, but really like it turns out the timing was probably perfect. So I didn't infect anyone else that I know of. And I actually still to this day, like I don't have any COVID contacts that I even know of. I mean, obviously I work in a hospital, but I didn't have any patients that we were like, suspicious right. about um you know everyone on my team was like sick I mean people were like working sick all the time that's just what we do and hopefully that will change with mm-hmm. you know with right around now it, sick days will be respected and people will actually stay home mm-hmm. um so that's like only thing I can think of um and I did get antibody testing and it's positive so it's like all real I really have yeah. it <laughs> But um, Ryan is negative and yeah, and his mom's negative. We don't know about his sister yet, but um, so how did I like have this? And, you know, fortunately, I don't think I gave it to anyone. So mm-hmm. they have like negative antibodies, negative tests, and you're the only yeah. one that, wow. Yeah. And so I don't know if it was just, you know, pregnancy is like a considered like an immunocompromised state or whatever. I don't know if it's a, like I was just the weak one. <laughs> You know, so I managed to get it. What about Lucy? What? So Lucy was like sick all winter. The, I, the ironic part is, is like we were sick all winter. Everybody was sick all the time. I think we had norovirus at one point. I mean, it's like, it was like the sickest year we've ever had, you know? Right. We were in Colorado in February. Everyone was sick. Like my sister's whole family, you know, Lucy finally, I, she got treated for an ear infection at the end of February and finally had been like well from that point on. Um, but who knows? Like maybe we got it on an airplane coming back from Colorado. I mean, no idea. Maybe I got it at the hospital. Isn't it interesting though? Like, cause everybody is so distanced, right? They live with people and none of them got it. I mean, I just mind blow, you know? Right. Right. The only Uh, thing that Ryan and I did differently, this is actually really funny and kind of probably gross, but we have had two Sonicare toothbrushes forever and we never labeled them and we both would use both toothbrushes. And so yeah. when I started to get sick, oh, he was like, we should separate our toothbrushes. So for like the first <laughs> time since we've been together, you know, for a decade, we're like, okay, we're going to separate our toothbrushes. That was the only thing that we did. <laughs> oh, well, smart. Might yeah. have saved him. <laughs> yeah. I know. You know, and it's like, is he a person that just won't get it if he's exposed right. to it? He's immune. Like, yeah. I know. I know. Wow. I feel like there's just so much to learn about, you know, like our own antibodies and like our tendency yeah. towards certain diseases and, and viruses. Like it's so fascinating and mm-hmm. probably even more so for you because you're a PA and you're in healthcare mm-hmm. and wow, mm-hmm. it's crazy. And Oh, I'm sure your coworkers have been tested at different junctures too, and nobody nobody had it. I yeah. So my the surgeon that I work with the most uh, the most was tested at some point, you know, and was negative by PCR. But like, I really hope that everybody gets antibodies tested because I'm just curious. Me too. Mm-hmm. Not that it's. I mean, it's to me it wasn't 
like, am I running about the world, you know, licking things in public? No, um, <laughs> right. nothing really changed knowing my antibody results, but I was, right. it just felt like, okay, I for sure did have it, you know, I don't know. I just, and, and have, you know, zero converted to like positive IgG or whatever. So whatever that. And then do you feel like Vanessa and I were talking about this when it first started happening? Do you feel like as a healthcare provider, like what the heck in like the, the protocol at hospitals, like it feels like no one really had a plan, <laughs> you know, or like know. For if, you know, if people come in pregnant with an infectious disease, this is what we'll do. Or, you know, there was no, like you were saying, everyone was giving you different, this is recommended. This is recommended. Like it's where there wasn't like a set of guidelines no matter the virus symptoms, but like maybe like a curious virus we don't know about what the next steps of A, B, and C are for a hospital protocol. Like it seems like that should have been established like before. Well, and you, you know? wonder now, I mean, now hopefully, you know, you would think like after Ebola, they would have, I don't know. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully moving forward in healthcare, we have learned a lot and we'll be better prepared. I don't mean that people always said from like a long time ago, we were never prepared for a pandemic. I remember learning about it in some class. It was like, we would really be taken out by another like flu, you know, or something. So, mm-hmm. and here we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what about now? Like your postpartum, mm-hmm. how are you feeling? Do you feel like, do people, are they like, we're going to come see you never? Oh, <laughs> you know? I know. Like, what is the feeling and like the vibe and like how you're being supported now and everything? Well, I'm so grateful that this is happening with my second child because everything is easier <laughs> this time aside from the crazy delivery roller coaster. Um, <laughs> right. I, and I think it's partially experience. It's also partially the child. Um, I told you guys my first uh, Lucy was colicky and it was like the screaming just did not stop. And, um, it was really difficult. Breastfeeding was difficult. All of those things are easier this time. I think just more experience a way mm-hmm. milder personality baby. Um, so that I'm really, and I also like, I had all the experiences the first time around I had a baby shower. My family was able to come out, you know, um, mm-hmm. I had all of those things and felt really supported. I have all the baby gear. Like I have everything I need. I joined a new mom's group. Um, and I still keep in touch with, uh, several of the women. We actually have like a Marco Polo group. We like talk to each other. Oh yeah. And it has been like the best support. They actually showed up the morning of my delivery, um, with signs on the sidewalk saying like, you got Aww. this, you know, cause it was Aww, like, there's nothing so that nice. we can do, you know, it was, but it was like the thing that they could do and they showed up and it was amazing. Um, but yes, I have so many people that just want to come hold this baby, but everybody knows they can't, you know, cause technically she's the only one that like really hasn't been exposed. <laughs> right. Like um, into I, the world. I know, but I hope she's getting antibodies, you know, with, uh, through my breast milk is what we're hoping for. If there's a silver lining in any of this. Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> But we fortunately still have Ryan's mom and sister coming to help us. That would be really hard if we didn't. So we're like in so much better of a place than, you know, most people. It's, I have a lot to be grateful for. Right. I know that they're really big. Like I remember when Lucy was born and they decided to, because they moved to Seattle, right? Like to kind of live and babysit and daycare Mm -hmm. stuff. So that's really sweet. 
that that's awesome. It makes our lives doable. I mean, I think like mm -hmm. it allows us to work full time and I feel like, you know, my kids are so well taken care of and um, I'm just so grateful for that. That's awesome. Do you have anything like, <laughs> hopefully, well, you never know. What would you just say to another mom that's like expecting during this time? Like any, like, I feel like we painted a really stressful situation of your delivery because it was, I mean, it is, that's like, I can't imagine like I, that's uh, really intense news to get <laughs> like days away from your delivery. So I don't know, what do you, what would you say to someone or, you know, maybe they're not going to be tested positive for COVID, but maybe for whatever reason they can't have friends and family or, you know. I would say let people help in whatever way they can safely. I, this is advice I gave, you know, to someone, a new, going to be new mom recently. It's just like, let people help. They want to help you. And mm -hmm. it's, I think the thing that people can really do to support new parents through this is meal delivery. <laughs> yeah, totally. We, I had some friends set up a meal train and it is just like the best thing ever to have dinner taken care of a few nights mm. a week. Um, you know, and that's a way that people have given to us that has just been, uh, amazing. And, right. you know, people can't hold your baby and they can't do those kinds of things. But that's one way that was really helpful. And also there, you know, these like virtual platforms, like I've stayed in really close touch with my new mom friends and, mm -hmm. um, you know, my family, I, my parents live in Idaho. They fortunately were quarantined and able to come over. The pediatricians agreed it was fine after my my um, additional quarantine period. So they told me that I needed to be isolated for 10 days. And if I stayed asymptomatic that whole time, I could be considered like a negative COVID person, but I wouldn't be retested because it would be possible that the same thing would happen, that I would test positive again and it could be old virus. So, um, oh. yeah. So I was oh, never gosh. Right. <laughs> You're like, so, am I better? <laughs> yeah. Well, so looking back at it, you know, if there's a silver, cause people are like, I can't believe you didn't get tested at work. And I actually asked like many times in March to be tested and really tried to like push the envelope. And I just, I couldn't get anywhere. But, really? You know, what was the yeah. reasoning? Not enough tests? Not, there wasn't enough tests and I wasn't sick enough. Like I just didn't meet the criteria for testing, even being pregnant. I mean, all of it. Um, but in retrospect, had I been positive in March, they potentially would have kept retesting me to see if I had cleared it. And if I would have had to like prep for that delivery from March, I think that would have been worse. Honestly, yeah. I think I, yeah. it was better to just get blasted for like 24 hours than, <laughs> right. um, than have like months to, to think about how that, how that was going to be. And yes, you know, in general, your delivery usually never goes as planned. So you know, I think people need to, especially in this time, have a real, if they can, um, flexi flexibility sense of sort of everything. And mm -hmm. because things are changing at hospitals and I mean, in our world, hour by yep. hour right now. And so if, if, if people aren't able to sort of go with the flow a little bit, it's going to be much, much more difficult. Um, and just reaching out, like as a new parent or there's just so many questions you have. And I think the, there's a lot of virtual 
like I think lactation consultants are available virtually and you know, all of those things and just reach out, reach out, reach out, reach out. Like if you need mm-hmm. help of any kind, because, um, it's hard having a new baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think for the, if I remember right, for the first, her first checkup, Ryan took her, right? Oh yeah. I couldn't Did, go. Cause you couldn't go. <laughs> right. Right. No. So I remember you took a picture and you're like, they're off. And I was like, where are they going? <laughs> I was like, Oh was, yeah, she can't yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. It was very. Oh. And so I got to be the one on FaceTime for her uh, first pediatrician visit. But what was even funnier is like, you know, Ryan's like all the way at the car and I'm like, do you have the keys? And he's like, Oh, the keys. And I'm like, you can't just like leave the baby on the curb. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Figured it out. What was their recommendation for your family or anybody in contact with you? What did they recommend for Mm -hmm. them? Nothing. They tested my close contacts, but I hadn't been, it was, I had not, I had been out of my house three times since March 10th, like to a public place. And it was only my doctor's office. I hadn't gone anywhere. Um, so I had like, actually I had no contacts other than my mother-in-law and sister-in-law and husband. Like there were no people. <laughs> oh, that's so good. And like, I you're so, so probably so glad you abided by the rules because oh, yeah. you're like, I didn't go around infecting yeah. everyone, you know? And- I know. I got my groceries delivered and I'm like, I don't think I got this from an Amazon box. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I even wiped everything down every time. <laughs> right. Right. Wow. That. Wow, Tina, that's incredible. That's an incredible story. And I just, when she's like growing up and you like are telling her, I mean, it's so crazy. Like she's going to be like, what, what? <laughs> I know my, um, I will be a cool I'm story. A, I'm not a journaler. Um, and plus I like don't have time to like sit down on a computer and type anyway. So my, um, my therapist has a uh, rec- she like, she's like, why don't you just like do a video, you know, like do a video on your phone, save it in a folder for her and tell her like the story of her delivery. And I was like, that is a great idea. So yes. to do that. And it's actually helpful for me to like tell you guys. So, cause I feel like my mind is a little foggy, you know, in this whole new right. mom period. So I like, don't want to lose, you know, some of the details that were, uh, yeah, really profound. Like I just, so Ryan literally picks, picks me up in the same spot, you know, at the Lytle center roundabout 24 hours later. And I'm like, here's your baby. <laughs> oh, my oh my gosh. gosh. That's amazing. Like, so weird. And the nurses that like, you know, wheeled me in and wheeled me out. They're like, do you want us to take pictures? We're like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> what a story. Well, you'll be able to put this in the folder as well. Yes. The podcast of her birth. <laughs> yeah, yes. Absolutely. Oh, that's amazing. You have to get the Seattle Times newspaper clipping and yeah, <laughs> that or digital. I'm like newspaper clipping. Is that a thing now? You're old, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I might have. I mean, I might have to just for this one whenever it, you know, whenever it runs. So right, right. <laughs> you subscribe to the Seattle Times for one week. <laughs> I actually am a subscriber to the Seattle. Oh, Times. awesome! That's my um, friend Jackie's a journalist there that I met in my oh. new mom's group. Um, oh, cool! You know, ironically, the Seattle Times actually also interviewed me before all of this, just being pregnant and having COVID, because they were like doing a story on it. So. I did. I also there. I have like a quote in one of the articles about that too. It was oh, like, that's cool. I didn't know any of this was gonna happen. Oh, right. <laughs> You're like, I have an update for you. Update. Yeah. 
that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> when Danae told us your story, just even a little bit of it, we were all like, no way. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's really great too, though, Tina, because you're in healthcare to, you can like, you know, you read between the lines, you know, and you're the one that's yeah. actually walking through that experience. It's just, mm -hmm. you're right. It is kind of Murphy's law. <laughs> Being I know. Here, you kind of get, you get the things, the, the 1%, you know, but we're so glad that she safely arrived mm -hmm. and oh, family gets to all be together now. I know, but lots Lovely. of togetherness time these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. And I yeah, know this, thank you. your story is going to touch new moms and yeah, people, that, I mean, maybe they will hope they don't have COVID, but <laughs> there are a lot of people that I know personally that are expecting and they will have babies mm -hmm. in the next few months. So, well, it may seem you had a baby 11 weeks ago, so this may be a weird well wish for you, <laughs> but we do have a sign off that we like to tell everyone at the end of our episode. And that is Tina, may your best orgasm <laughs> be ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's definitely ahead. <laughs> I'm all, she's only four weeks old, by the way. episode of At Your Cervix is brought to you by Expecting Joy, a Seattle-based birth and parenting services company. Their skilled doulas combined have hundreds of births advocating for mothers and families as they bring new life into the world. Studies show that by using a doula, a birthing person is less likely to have pain relief medication administered and less likely to have a C-section, as well as just having a more positive childbirth experience overall. Listeners of the At Your Cervix podcast receive a free one-hour breastfeeding class. If you're a soon-to-be parent, learn more about Expecting Joy services and inquire about the free class at expectingjoy.com forward slash AYC. And again, that's expectingjoy.com forward slash AYC. Just a reminder, the purpose of this podcast is to educate and empower. It is no substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. Guests who speak in this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. If you have any specific questions about any medical matter, you should consult your doctor or another professional healthcare provider.